room. It is only to tell us to hurry up with our work. We pray therefore that today, nothing will stop or hinder the move of the Spirit in this place. We are praying, Spirit of God, that you would touch every soul that was able to brave the storms and brave the rains and will not be stopped by drops of water. I pray therefore that let it rain blessing over our lives. Oh, let it rain healing over our lives. Let it rain increase over our lives. Let it rain heaven's favor upon our lives. In the name that is above every name, you are welcome, Spirit of God. Oh, without you, we cannot have church. You are welcome, Holy Ghost. Without you, we cannot have service. You are welcome, Jesus, in the midst of your church. Lion of Judah. Oh, Lion of Judah, walk in our midst. Glorify your name again in the name that is above every name. Open our ears. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Give us revelation knowledge that man cannot give. I pray God that by the time we are done today, somebody will be changed and transformed to becoming like Jesus. We thank you in the name that is above every name. Jesus. If your voice is yours and your hands are yours, put them together and give Jesus a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I am excited. Please take your seat in heavenly places. I am excited to be in church on Sunday. I'm excited because it's an opportunity for us to come before him as a corporate body to fulfill scripture when the Bible said, do not behave like some people who have the habit of not meeting together. As you see the day approaching, Jesus is coming. And so he said, do everything you can so you can meet together. And this is very important. This morning while I was, I was preparing to come, you know, this, this thing just kept running in my, in my spirit. Because I was praying. And I kept, I kept just having this thing running in my spirit. He said, Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't want to die like his master. He wanted to die lower than his master. And why was he dying? Because they were asking him to renounce Jesus. And he says, I will not renounce Jesus. It is told in the traditions, Christian traditions, that his wife, was also crucified. And Peter was looking at his wife and they were telling him, renounce Jesus. And Peter kept telling his wife, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. All trying to stop the guy from worshiping his Jesus. Paul had his head cut off because they told him to renounce Jesus and he says no. Others where James was pierced with a sword and he died. We no renowned Jesus. He will still worship his Jesus. All of them died. Some of them were skinned alive. Their skin was removed while they were alive. And they were told to renounce Jesus. And they said they will not renounce Jesus. Some were tied to chariots and driven through town. And they died while mentioning the name of Jesus. They were told to renounce Jesus. 
One woman had her seven sons killed one after the other. And they said, renounce Jesus. Or we kill the next one. Renounce Jesus. And all these people were told not to worship Jesus. And they braved the storm. They carried through with their, with their faith in Jesus. They would not give up. Death could not stop them from worshiping their Jesus. So this morning, the question came to me. He said, all these people brave these attacks just to worship their Jesus. And he asked, how many of us will be stopped by rain, drops of water from coming to church? <laughs> how many of us will be stopped by drops of water falling on your beautiful dress, wonderful dress? <laughs> and because of that, and your nice hair, which most of the time doesn't belong to you as a matter of fact. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he said, because of that, how many will be stopped from coming to church? So seeing you, I am glad that you made it to church. Yeah. But is it not sad People seated here, many of them walked through the rain, took taxis, took Uber. And we have many of our members with their own cars, big cars, are not here. Why? It is raining. With their big cars. Why are they not here? It is raining. Let's do a head count and see how many are here who have their own cars. Many of them don't have their own cars, but they made it here. May the Lord bless you. Yes, may God bless you. Hallelujah. Now, by the grace of God, we, we, are, we are pausing on the series on the desiring God. And we are moving to another series now. Now, whenever we, we start a series and we stop it, it doesn't mean that the experience must stop. But you have been, you have been ushered on a journey. You must continue it. Hallelujah. So the, the series on the desiring God, I want it to become our daily experience at home, at work, wherever we find ourselves. Let's desire God and desire to have the experience with God. In the past, one of the teachings has been that Christianity is not feelings. It is faith. It is not feelings. And that statement was stretched to the point where it began to mean that it is not about experiences. You don't need to experience anything. You just need to believe. God is there. That's enough. There's no need for experiences. If you are waiting for experiences, then you don't have faith. So we have had a kind of Christianity that has been a drudgery, it has been cold, it has been uneventful, a kind of Christianity that has been unexciting, a kind of Christianity that has been just liturgical and rituals, and that is enough. But I read the Bible, and the Bible said that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. The evidence of things not seen. So the thing that I've not seen, that I'm supposed to just quietly go through, faith says that there must be a proof. There must be evidence of the things we believe. Do we believe in the Holy Ghost? There must be an evidence of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me, church? 
Do we believe in the power of God? There must be evidence of the power of God. Hallelujah. So that when we ask for an experience of the things that we hope for, if we ask for evidence of the things that we hope for, if we ask for, for proof of the things that we believe, to experience it, it is not lack of faith. Because James says, show me your faith without works. I will show you my works as a, as a result of my faith. Something proof, proving the fact that I believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Jesus will come to a man and tell him, go to this place and this place. I have a man there called Saul. I want you to go and minister to him. And the person will now say, this, is, this cannot be God because in, in Christianity we don't need experiences. We don't need experience. And Jesus is standing in front of this guy. And he's, he, he will say, no, we don't need experiences. And Jesus came to Peter while he was hungry, sitting at the top of the building. And Jesus is showing him, showing him by vision the thing that he has been teaching. Now showing him experientially. And then Peter will say, no, 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 no. We don't need experiences. I'm telling you. Many of those things are traditions and they are bogus. Jesus is manifesting himself physically to his people. And you see, when the church rejected Jesus' physical manifestations, he has moved into the Muslim countries and he's they are experiencing Jesus physically and they are coming to Christ. If he would do that to unsaved people, who tells you he doesn't want to reveal himself to saved But our theology and our understanding has blocked him. He said, my, he said, I made the ears. Don't you think I have ears? I made the hands. Don't you think I have hands to save you? He said, there is something about you that stops me and limits me from doing what I want to do. I pray that there will be no limits in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we want to zoom into another series. It will take us probably to the end of the month. But the title is entertaining angels. Somebody declare with me, entertaining angels. Say, I am here to entertain my angels. Hallelujah. Amen. So, I wanted to get ready to entertain angels because the whole of the week, the Lord has been ministering to me that today, today, an angel will be in church. And I don't know whether you are ready to, to meet him and to entertain him. So whilst we are speaking, if an angel appears on the stage with his wings widespread, brimming with fire and lightning and thundering, or an angel appears here without wings, but just walks in here and you can see him as an angel with lights all around him. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. Without being afraid of this man, he's an angel, you know he's an angel. And he comes into the service. I want to ask you a sincere question. When the time comes to share grace and we must go around and shake hands and you get to this man, and he's ready to shake hands with you and share grace with you. I want to ask you a question. How will you share the grace with him? 
How will you share grace with him? Makati come. Now, when you meet this angel and come to church and you want to share grace with this angel, I'm saying without fear, so no fears. But you want to share grace with this angel. How will you share the grace with him? Will you share the grace with him? Kinsley, come. Just come here. Watch carefully. Will you share the grace with him? Now we're not supposed to hold hands, so let's. Will you be sharing the grace with him? May the grace of our Lord Jesus, uh, our uh, whatever. Uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Give him the distance. Okay, I'm coming. No, no, not you. You, you, you. It is him I'm talking to. Amen. Tell Kisley. Um, today after service, I want to meet you. Is that how you will share the grace with him? And you know he's an angel. Will you share grace with him like that? Or he comes, please take your seat. He comes to the service. We see an angel. And we have closed service. We have closed service. And you know today an angel from heaven came to church. And this is he. And nobody has said you can't come to him home. When we close service, will you run away and go home? How many of us would at least want to have a word with the angel? Okay. There are a few holy people who want to have a word with the angel. Thank God. So at least, what will you do? You will by all means want to come and talk to him. Some of you have some healings. You want him to lay hands on you. And some of you want to ask him about your nephew who died and your grandfather who died, whether he is up there or something. Or some of you want to come at least, come and admire him and see uh, how his skin looks like. Oh, I have a lot of things I would like to do. When I, when you want to, ah, hallelujah. <laughs> Or you people will be okay. You just, you just mind your own business. If an angel appeared here and you have to relate with the angel and you have to talk to the angel and you have to speak, share grace or you have to pass a message how will you go about it? So when the angel goes back with the report of Godly Wisdom Chapel, what will be the report he will send to Godly Wisdom Chapel as to how he was received in Godly Wisdom Chapel? Do you remember when the angels came to Abraham, what they said to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah? They said, we are going to Sodom and Gomorrah because, what did they say? They said, because the report, the report about Sodom and Gomorrah has risen up to heaven and we have come to investigate the report. So it means that from time to time, angels were sent to Sodom and Gomorrah to assess what is happening on the land. And then they go back with reports about the land, Sodom and Gomorrah. And they have kept, they, they, they keep going back with this same bad report. And now God says, it is time to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. But before the judgment is released, still go and investigate. 
It's like you want to do a surgery and they, 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 they bill you for the surgery. The time comes, the day comes for the surgery. And they still say, we must at least do a final assessment before we cut him. And they came for the final investigation. And that day was worse than all the other reports. <laughs> so that if the angels should go back, and I don't know how many angels have sent reports of Godly Wudom Chapel. And they come for the final investigation of how we handle things, how we handle people. And he comes. How are we going to handle him? Especially if we knew this is an angel. And I need you to answer that question. You may not need to tell me, but I need you to answer it. Angel McCarthy, thank you very much. You can take your seat. Hallelujah. Today, I want it to be a time of introspection. Because, listen, today, after we are done, you must change. Something in you must change. Else, your coming to church today was useless. Allow yourself to change. Let something change in you. Let something break in you. The Bible said, be not conformed to the status and measurement of the world, but be ye trans, transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the mind is very important in the scheme of things. And I always say, if God did not want you to use this brain, he would not have put it in, the, in, in that your skull. God designed the brain because he respects its move and you must use it. In one of the definitions of educational teaching and learning, they say that teaching and learning has not taken place until there is a measurable change in behavior. Unless there is a measurable change, a change in behavior that can be measured, that this person was like this before he came to the classroom, and after the classroom, this has changed about him. That is the only time we can say there was effective teaching and learning. So let me tell you of the tale or the story of two churches. These two churches were all told of a message. They were told that in the next service, an angel will be coming in. In fact, they didn't use the word angel. They said an honorable guest will be visiting on Sunday. An honorable guest will be visiting on Sunday. And the two churches received the same message. Now, what they did was, if an honorable guest is coming, and they were not told who this honorable guest is, it could be the president of the land, it could be a, a member of parliament, it could be some, some beyacious honorable man or woman is coming to church. So, what they did was, they formed committees to plan and prepare to receive that honorable guest when he comes in. Now, naturally, you cannot prepare well until you measure. So you have to decide the person coming, should we prepare to meet him as the president? If the president was coming, how are we going to receive the president? 
So they have to get the highest person they could get. Now they started preparing, putting things in order. How are we going to wish? Number one, what chair should we prepare for him? What chair? I mean, to, if, if, if I should tell you that the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams or our own Bishop Dr. Gordon Kissel will be visiting us Sunday and the planning committee is planning, one of the things that they will plan is what chair will he sit on? Because many people believe that this my chair is not honorable enough. In fact, the one I was sitting on here, <laughs> many people believe it was not honorable enough. So they had to get me one whether I like it or not, you have to get me one. And even this one, still, some people think that this one too is not very honorable. So, what chair would they get for the doctor or the, the archbishop coming to visit? So, that was number one. What chair will he sit on? And they, they decided on the chair they would go and rent and bring. Number two, which part of the church are we going to put him? Which part of the church? Are we going to sit him? So they looked through the church and then they elected a particular nice place where this man can be entertained. One of the most auspicious places in the church room, elevated for the, the, the guest, honorable guest that will be coming. Number three, how do we receive him or her at the entrance? So let's select some of our most experienced, easy, easily hospitable members in the church. Those who smile naturally, not those who struggle to smile. When somebody is struggling to smile, they can easily see. It's so nasty when the person is, is somebody is struggling to smile. It's, it's very unwelcoming. When the photographer tells you smile, and you don't have the intention of smiling. The person tries, you can see it. But let's get people that naturally can smile. Beautifully dressed, so they must dress well. And put everything in perspective. So those who receive the honorable guests, they organize that one also. When they receive this guest, how or what are they going to say? Even that one, we should plan it well so that they don't just go and say just anything at all. They must say the right thing. They plan for that one also. How this honorable guest will be received. What words will be used to receive the honorable guest. So they plan to really make the guest his time in the church. Memorable. Something that cannot be forgotten. What water will he drink? Of course. It cannot just be sachet water. Maybe something like ultimate or something like, uh, you know, mention the other ones. Nice, nice ones. They plan all these things. And they were in expectation of the, both two the two churches all, they were in expectation. So church A, Sunday comes and the greatest and those who were prepared, the chair, that chair has been has been dusted and everything intact. And then they, they went in there, they went to stand waiting for the person. Now, people started coming in, trooping into church. They were coming and coming and coming and coming. And they were looking through. 
for the honorable guests. They were looking through for the honorable guests. In the midst of all these, there is a woman who has come to stay in the area, new, was looking for church. She also decided to go to church with her daughter, trying to find a church for herself and the, the daughter that they will be attending. They also came to church that day. They came. When they came in, they, read, they, they, they realized that they were beautifully dressed. We said, wow, these people are wonderful. She came in with her daughter and they got to the entrance. The, 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 the ushers at the entrance, beautifully dressed, waiting for the, the honorable guest saw this one to come in. And then they, hello, yes. They gave her some paper and pointed. You should go and look for one of the church to sit down. And all this while, they were still looking through for the honorable guest. They looked through and looked through and looked through. Now, service has started. They finished the service. Honorable guest did not come. So, they have spent everything for this honorable guest. And he did not come. So, they went to the pastor. Where's the honorable guest? He said, well, I received the word. It's like a word of prophecy that the honorable guest, me too, I've been sitting here, I've been looking through our honorable guest did not come. Now, let's go back to the lady that came with her daughter. The ushers gave her program of the day without even looking at her face. Because they were looking for who? They were looking for who? Now, if they were looking for honorable guest, and they will not look at this woman. It means that this woman was what? If we're looking for honorable guest, then every other person is what? This honorable guest. So, this, this honorable guest that came, they gave her the paper and were still looking for the honorable guest. Pointed to the seats, go and sit down. She got there looking for where to sit because everybody, people were seated on all the chairs. And she had to, through with the daughter, look through for a chair and then she found some to go and sit somewhere. In the middle of the service, her daughter started coughing and started crying. And everybody seated around them. You are disturbing the service. Look at the woman. Control your daughter. Control your daughter. Come on, control your daughter. Today, honorable, an honorable guest will come here. If all this noise and he comes, honorable guest comes, you, this honorable guest, you are going to make the honorable guest time here. But we have spent weeks preparing for honorable guests. And now some dishonorable guests are going to make his the honorable guest time here dishonorable. <laughs> and the woman is feeling so embarrassed. The daughter too is feeling, you know, she gets up to go look for the washroom so that she can take care of the daughter. She gets up, the place is big. She cannot find the washroom when she's trying to ask the ushers a question. Their face alone tells you that you are dishonorable. We are looking for an honorable guest. Don't come in. Because the time I'm talking to you, what, what if the honorable guest comes whilst I'm talking to you? What are you looking for? Washroom. Please, washroom. Washroom is somewhere. Go, it's, go and look for it. It's, they are written. You will see the written. Go and look for the thing. We are waiting for honorable guest. So after service, the woman goes with her daughter and leaves the church. Everybody nicely dressed. But nobody would nicely receive her. So the next Sunday, she decided she won't go to any church. But somehow if she felt, look, I need to find a place for me and my daughter. So she goes to church B, who also received the same instruction. But church B was a bit different because... They went into the scriptures while they were planning 
trying to look, what do we do to receive an honorable guest? And they didn't know what to do to receive an honorable guest. So they were like, what does the scripture say about receiving an honorable guest? The first question is this. Who is an honorable guest? And they had to answer it scripturally. Who is an honorable guest? And how do we receive such an honorable guest? So let's go to Luke chapter 7, I'm sure. Verse 44 to 47. Luke chapter 7, verse 44 to 47. And he turned to the woman. Honorable and dishonorable guest. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. I came to your house. Thou givest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her hair. 45. Thou givest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, had not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman had anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven her. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loved little. So they saw the scripture and they decided, this is how to receive an honorable man. An honorable woman. So they decided that they were going to treat this honorable man similar to this. Of course, not washing his feet and everything. But they're going to treat that person with everything that they have. The best of everything that they have. But how do we identify the honorable guest? How do we identify the honorable guest? Let us go into these reception tips that Jesus gives about how to receive the honorable guest. He said, I came, verse 44. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou givest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears. So now Jesus is invited into Simon's house. Now Simon is amongst the teachers, the rabbis of the time. So he belonged to the institution. He belonged to the system. He belonged to the, the, the top excellence. He belongs to the organized society. And he invited Jesus, who is also a rabbi, into his house. And Jesus, the rabbi, comes into the house of this other rabbi, Simon. And when Jesus entered, Simon did not do or offer Jesus even one 
of the curtsies, the normal curtsies among the Eastern traditions, the normal curtsies you give to a guest or a visitor in your house, Simon did not offer Jesus even one. Why? Because in Simon's thinking, both of us are rabbis, but I am better than you. I'm better than you, Jesus, because I am educated. You are not. You are not educated. A rabbi would have gone to school, like Saul, who became Paul, had his professor as Gamaliel, one of the best at the time. And so a rabbi would have gone through all these educational institutions and passed up to become a, an accepted rabbi, called to the bar. And Jesus had not gone through these things. And he calls himself a rabbi. And this man invites him to his house and proves to Jesus he is a nobody. And so he would not give him even one of the curtsies that is required for a guest. And now Jesus has another person bash through, just come through to the house and decides to give Jesus the hospitality and the reception that is due an honorable man. So let's just oppose the two. Jesus says to Simon, when I came to your house, you did not give me, number one, water to wash my feet. So it meant that to receive a guest, you are supposed to give the guest water to wash his feet. Why do they need water to wash their feet? They need water because when they walked through the wilderness or the deserts of the time, which was not cemented and asphalted like our, our, our own, you walk through the sun from place to place, your feet gathers all the dust, all the mud, all the, all the dirt is around your feet. You come to the, somebody's house, the host receives you, and the first thing he does is to bring his, let his servant bring water. Put your feet in the water and wash your feet for you so that they remove all the dirt before you come in to sit down. So it is water for the feet. That was not done to receive Jesus. Now how do you wash somebody's feet and get the debt off? When you come to my life or I come into your life, there are many things, there, there is a lot of debts we carry. Oh, everybody sitting here. We carry a lot of debt. A lot of debt. Some of us, our attitudes stink. It can be smelled from miles away. Some of us, the way we deal with people. Some of us, our relationship with money. Some of us, our relationship with each other. The way we handle ourselves. We all have something that is dirty in our lives. But you see, when you come into my life, my job as a host is to wash that thing out. And after I have washed it, I'm supposed to wipe it with a towel so that nobody gets to know that your feet was washed with water. If I wash your feet with water, you move out. And everybody sees your feet. You know that when you went, they really wash your feet. Now, when you move out of, out of my presence, whatever I did with you to help you is supposed to stay with me. It's supposed to wipe it clean. Nobody's supposed to know I did this for you. 
so that I restore you without advertising or broadcasting what I did to restore you. I have wiped the water off. Nobody gets to know. Simon did not do that in receiving Jesus. But just opposite to what the woman did. Jesus said, but when this woman came, she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head instead of a towel. Water versus tears. Water versus tears. If I should bring a bowl and take it to the pipe and fetch water into the bowl, I can fetch as much water as I need. Give me, I mean, look at any bowl you like. Is the water still drizzling? I've seen a bowl. Can somebody give me one of the bowls? Quick, quick, please, fast. No, no, no. There's no need. Okay, you bring it. Now, look at this bowl. This is very big. If I am to take this to the pipe and fetch water, I can fill it as much as I want with water. But let me get two or three of you to come and cry tears to fill this for me. We will need three months. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know whether three months will be able to fill this, this bowl with tears. So it means that what the woman brought to wipe Jesus' feet was very expensive. And it was very rare and scarce. Difficult to come by. And the woman gave it to wash nowhere but the dirty feet of Jesus. Just to receive him as a host. She will spend everything that can be spent in making Jesus feel comfortable in the house. And Jesus is the one telling Simon, you didn't do this for me. Why? Because to you, I am not an honorable guest. You are better than me. So you didn't see why you should do that for me. You were still waiting for an honorable guest. But I am that honorable guest. And Jesus was looking very ordinary. Very normal. And Simon could not see that this is an honorable guest. And Jesus says, you don't know how to treat a guest. Look at how this woman is treating an honorable. I don't think this woman goes around the town crying tears to wash the feet of every visitor she sees in town. No, no, no. no. I don't think so. The woman picked me out because she believes I am an honorable guest. But to you, I am a dishonorable guest that does not even deserve the ordinary curtsies of hospitality. Now the question is, how is it possible that two people, the woman and Simon, how is it possible two people looking at the same person, looking at the same person, how is it possible that one sees him as an honorable person who deserves my tears as water and the other does not even see him as an, even below an ordinary, because an, even an ordinary guest, you give him water. So to him, Jesus was even below an ordinary guest. How is it possible that two people are looking at the same person? One sees him as honorable and the other sees him as dishonorable. How is that possible? So how is it possible that Godly Wisdom Chapel, 
When I say God knows the future, don't look at this, but I'm talking about you. How is it possible that you can see the same human being come into this church and others honor him and you cannot honor the person? How is that possible? And how does that happen? Is it because, is it because your measurement of honor is wrong? What you call honorable is wrong. Maybe that is why. Maybe that is why. Number two. 45. Uh, no, wait. She, she, instead of a towel, she used her hair to dry my feet. And you know what the hair means for a woman? I'm not talking about Brazilian hair. I'm not talking about Jewish hair or something, something hair. I'm talking about your own hair. I wish I could digress here, but I will not digress too much. Let me digress small. An advert, the whole of last week and last two weeks, an advert was trending in South Africa. And that advert has caused the company to almost shut down because the advert says black woman's hair is dull and dumb. White woman's hair is fine and flat in South Africa. And the company is advertising women's hair. Come and buy women's hair. This is how they advertise it. And when they advertised it, the black women in South Africa were, in, were up in arms. And the black men were up in arms. Malemo, whatever his name is, has got an advantage. Something to shout about and rant, rant about as he always does. And they are up against this company all over the place. The CEO has been sacked. The vice has been sacked. They are, they are a monument not given. All these things. Then, among the responses that were coming, among those responses were some of them that were saying this. They said, if the black woman really believes that her hair is truly precious, why does she hide it? By covering it up with somebody's hair. Well, I don't know the answer. And uh, this is a digression. So let me come back to my message. I, I beg. Uh, let me play safe. Let me, let me play safe. Or oh, oh, the man, what do you say? Let's, let's play safe. Let's, let's, let's play safe. Let's play safe. I didn't say that. Let's, let's preach the gospel. So now, Jesus says, the woman used her hair to wash my feet. I mean to clean my feet. You did not even give me a towel. A towel. The glory of the woman, the hair, is part of the glory of the woman. And she took her glory to serve me a guest just for hospitality's sake to make me feel comfortable in church. What is your glory? What are some of the things that you count as your glory? And I'm talking about women. I'm talking about the church. So men and women all together. What are the things that are part of your glory? And when I talk about glory, 
at the risk of being labeled carnal. Your car is part of your glory. It's part of the things God has given to you. Your cash is part of the things God has given to you. Your, your, your time is part of the things God has blessed you with. Everything that is yours, what do we have that we did not receive from God? So then if we received it from God, and God will not give you anything unless the Bible said every good and perfect gift. It means that if God was the one who gave it to you, then to God it is good, it is perfect. So then it must be part of the glory God is blessing you with. And the woman used her glory to serve a guest. To make the guest feel comfortable in the house. What is your glory God has blessed you with? And what do you do with it? Three, three or so, two or three years ago, when the Lord, I've said it to the church, before the Lord came, ministered to me in the morning, getting to the end of the 31st night thereabout, and said to me that I have looked for people to bless financially and I can't find some. And I was, I was, going, I was going mad. I said, God, did, did you visit Godly Wisdom Chapel? He didn't get people who, who need money. I mean, what kind of message is this? And the Lord said, no. When I give, when I bless, it is for a blessing. I need conduits, people that can pass money through to bless. But when it comes, they block it and keep it. So I can't find people to pass money through them. So what is the glory God has blessed you with so much? And what are you doing with it? The woman used it to receive a guest. She gave all just to a guest to make the guest feel comfortable in church. Go on. 45. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in had not ceased to kiss my feet. As part of the reception, the eastiness, they will kiss when, you, when they receive you. He will put his right hand on your left shoulder and kiss your cheek and kiss the other cheek as well to receive you, let you know that you are welcome. That is why Paul will say, receive the brothers, receive the brothers with a holy kiss. A holy kiss. It is part, part of their reception, tradition. But you see, the man did not kiss Jesus because he did not recognize Jesus as an honorable guest. Now, the kiss is planted on the face, left and right. When the woman came in, she did not kiss Jesus' face, left and right. She kissed the feet of Jesus. Now, you know, among the Chinese, who are part of the Easterners, among the Chinese, when they, when, when they meet you, they bow, they bow their head. But did you know that when they bow, they have levels of the bowing. If somebody meets a friend, a casual friend, they will still bow. But they will bow, if they get the chance, they will just bow the hair on their head. Like that. It's also a bow. So they bow, but it's very small. And if they meet somebody they respect, it goes down even more. If they meet their boss, it goes down all the way to the, to the waist. And if they meet somebody that is dangerously honorable, 
they can go all the way to their knees in bowing down to receive you. So there are levels in the bowing. When the woman came, she could have kissed Jesus' cheeks, but she went down, down, down to kiss the feet of Jesus. She laid aside every honor she had. She put aside every convenience. Every convenience made him herself inconvenient. Inconvenience herself, excuse me, to the place of kissing the feet that had trodden the wilderness and the desert, the dirty feet, went to kiss that feet. That it doesn't matter how you are dressed. There is a very erroneous quote and statement in town that says, you are addressed according to how you are dressed. Now that is true to the worldly. It is very true to the worldly. But it's an error to the church that you address me according to how I am dressed. So that if the person comes to the church and he's not well dressed, everybody shies away from that person. But the dirty feet of Jesus, the woman kissed the dirty feet of Jesus just to make Jesus comfortable and feel welcome in the house. How many feet are you ready to kiss to prove that somebody is honorable in the house? To make them feel comfortable in church. Let's go on. I don't want to stay in these verses too much. My hair thou, my head with oil thou does not anoint, but this woman had anointed my feet with ointment. So they will receive you by pouring oil. And that is ordinary oil. They have ordinary oil. It is to just anoint your, your hair and to keep it moist and shiny. And all these is to dole on you and make you feel that you are really welcome in the house. Simon did not do this for Jesus. Because to him, Jesus was not honorable. But when the woman came to the place... She did not anoint Jesus' head with oil. She anointed the feet, and not with ordinary oil, she anointed the feet with perfume that cost a whole year's salary. One year's salary. She had saved and saved and saved for one year. And when she heard Jesus was coming to the house, she took that money, bought ointment that cost that much and came, broke it and poured it at the feet of Jesus. Not even on the head. Where ordinary oil falls. She poured it at the feet of Jesus. One year's salary. Judas saw things like this and he said, this is a waste. We should have used the money to give it to, 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 to some poor person. Some poor person. And Jesus said, the poor you will always have. Me, you don't always have. There are times you need to know this person who has come to the church. We, we can lose this person. We don't always. You see, for me like this, me, Pastor Ben, like this. You will always have me here. No matter what you do. You can hate me, I'll be here. You can love me, I'll be here. You can like me, dislike me, I'll be here. You can say whatever you like, 
Me, you always have me. But Jesus said, me, Jesus, you always. There are people who walk through this door. You can't have them always. So to have them here, you would have to go the extra mile to make it difficult for them to go back. You must make it difficult for them to go back. So for me to spend or for us to spend one year's salary to buy an ointment to put at their feet, Judas, it is not a waste. Oh, Judas, it is not a waste. Many times we bash Judas and we say all sorts of things about Judas. This is what Judas said. He said, this oil could have been sold and given to the poor. Why do you waste it at the dirty feet of Jesus? And we have bashed Judas over and over. He's this, he's that. And true, he is. So let's come to ourselves. Let's come to ourselves. Now, how many times has a dirty feeted Jesus walk through this gate with tattered clothes, wrong, the, wrong, the wrong hair, and the wrong shoes, and the wrong dress, and has come in here to sit here. You saw him at the corner of your eye. You couldn't care less. You finished church without pouring one year's salary on that person. You just walked by and you left because to you, that one year's salary can be spent better than pouring it at his feet. Spending it on him. Your two minutes time to spend with him is too expensive to give to that person. You rather left. How many of us have never done this before? But you bash Judas. You bash Judas. I can give you an example upon example. It will only make you feel bad. Uh, I didn't come here to make you feel, <laughs> feel. In fact, I want you to feel bad, but not too bad. So, let's, let's, let's move on. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loved little. St. Benedict, St. Benedict has a rule. It is called the St. Benedict rule or the rule of St. Benedict. He wrote that rule as a way of managing monks. Monks. And in the rule, it is divided into chapters. If you look at the 53rd chapter, St. Benedict's rule, chapter 53, it has to do with hospitality and how to receive guests. And the first statement in chapter 53 about hospitality, he says, every guest that arrives must be received as Jesus. Because Jesus himself will say in Matthew 25 verse 40, Jesus himself will say, I was sick. You did not visit me. So let's go to Matthew chapter 25 from verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. And this is the message. This is the sum of the message. He said, for the fact that you did it 
for the least of my brethren, you did it for me. So the question I have for you is this. Among all the honorables that can visit this church, how many of them can compare with Jesus? So my question to you is this. Is Jesus the most honorable person or you have other people who are more honorable than Jesus? We compare Jesus with everybody. We are comparing Jesus with the president, Nana Akufuado. We are comparing Jesus with the, 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 the king of Asante. The Asante Hine. Okay. We are comparing Jesus with Trump, Joe Biden, Angela Merkel, Putin. All the presidents of the... We are comparing Jesus with all the honorables. Let's not come to the honorables, the Ghanaian parliament honorables. Let's move on to other, I mean, to presidents. And I'm asking you, when you compare them with Jesus, which of them is more honorable? Yes. Jesus. Jesus will be our most honorable guest in church. It means we will receive him as an honorable if he walked into church. But look at what Jesus is saying. He said, for as much, in as much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Which means, when the least enters this church, who has entered? Hello, church. When the least has entered this church, who has entered? Jesus has entered. Jesus has entered. And he said, if you do it for one of the least, you have done it for me. So I was sick. You did not visit me. I was in prison. You didn't come to me. I was naked. You did not clothe me. I came to your church. You would not act as much as even look my way. Let alone come and receive me and ask me how I am doing. I came to your church. You did not receive me. And we say, Jesus. No, no, no. If Jesus, if you ever came to our church, like we will lie down for you to walk on us. Jesus, you never came. If you came, it was in the spirit. <laughs> yes, maybe you came, but you came in the spirit. In the spirit. But do you know that the Bible gives us how to test? Spirits, it's a test or spirit. One of the ways of testing the spirit to know whether it's the spirit of God or the spirit of Satan is this. He said, any spirit that says that Jesus did not come in the flesh, but in the spirit, he said, that is not the spirit of God. Go and read your Bible. Any spirit that says Jesus did not come in the flesh, but rather he came in the spirit, he said, that is not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ testifying in you will say Jesus came in the flesh. That's what the Bible says. So he said, I came to Jesus. He said, Jesus, if you came here, maybe you came in the spirit. Because if we saw you, we will have bowed down. We will have lied on the floor for you to walk on us. Jesus, when did you come? He said, I sent many people, many of my brethren, the least, I sent them to church. What did Jesus say about John the Baptist? He said, among all the men born by women, there is none as great as John the Baptist. And yet, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. And Jesus said, if you do it for the least, 
of my brothers. You've done it for me. As a church, we have failed woefully. And I'm talking about from the pulpit, from the pastor standing in the pulpit, down to the security man at the entrance. All of us, nobody exempted, we have failed woefully in our hospitality. We have failed woefully. We come here from our homes and we come and meet our friends and we form cliques. Watertight cliques. I know Pearl, I know Irene, I know Collins, I know Gina, and that is our clique. Me and them. This one, two, and, and them. This one, two, and them. The men fellowship are formed their clique. Women fellowship are formed their clique. Youth fellowship are formed their clique. The instrumentalists are formed their clique. And if you study business and cliques, it is nothing bad. <clears throat> but our cliques that we have formed has become a tradition that fights the scriptures. It fights the scriptures. Because instead of you seeing yourself as a minister and everything you have as a ministry tool, including the clique of friends you have as a ministry tool to be used in ministering to the Lord who has come to visit through the list who have entered the church, using your clique to minister to them, you use the clique to shut them out. They can't join your cliques. They are not dressed well. They don't speak well. They don't have the right money. They don't drive the right car. They can't join your clique. When did they come? So in, in, in many ways, it is rather difficult for people to stay than to leave. Instead of the other way around, making it difficult for people to leave, we rather make it very easy for them to leave and difficult to stay. Difficult to stay. It is, it is found out in research within the first six months when somebody comes to your church within the first six months and he's not able to get seven friends, at least seven friends, he will leave the church within the first six months. If he doesn't get seven friends, he will leave the church. Look into this church and count over your head how many new people have walked through this church. Every time we ask for new people, somebody will raise their hand. If we didn't do evangelism, we didn't even do evangelism, but only those who visited this church were in this church, we will not have room. We'll be doing three, four, five services. So, where are they? Why do they come through the entrance and live through the exit? And they go with happiness and joy living because they were stressed up, seated here with nobody looking at them and they were waiting for service to end so they can run out of your clique so you can take you can have all the time you want with your friends and your cliques once a while you have you have people who don't care about your cliques and they don't care how you treat them they will stay you know people like uh, Sharif and some they don't care how you treat them they will still stay whether you like them or you don't like them they, they know what they want and they will stay but that is not the norm that is the exception when we start making the exception the rule we are failed we must make it difficult for people to leave. So, 
instead of using your friends as a way of shutting people out, why don't you decide among your friends that, look, this is our friendship. Let's make it a ministry of receiving people. When we see a new person, this is our clip of friendship. We will use it to receive that person into the friendship. By the time, within the first two, three weeks, even our friendship, our click alone, the person has seven friends straight up without you waiting for six months. Within the first two, three weeks, within our click alone, the person has seven friends already. Why wouldn't you use what you have as a way of ministering to the honorables that Jesus sends our way? And we think that once we can go and do evangelism, we are the best church whatsoever. What is the use in getting pregnant for nine months and pushing and pushing and giving back to your child? And then sitting on the child and killing it. What is the use? What is the use? In going off evangelism, winning souls, and bringing them to church. And then by our own attitude, sack them. Because the person who invited the guest to come to church, this did not come to church, will not come to church. So you give birth and kill them. You give birth and kill them. And you are saying that I have been giving birth. I have given birth again. Where are they? You've killed all of them. If all there is to the anointing, if all there is to the, the, the power of God, like we have been experiencing in the past weeks, it's just to come here and shout around and get boost in the spirit and lay hands on each other and shout in the place and enjoy the peace and the glory of God and enjoy the anointing and some assaulting all over the place, breaking some of the chest for us to go and buy again. All these things, you go through all these things and then when we finish, run home and that is all it takes to the anointing. And I tell you, the anointing has become a curse instead of a blessing. Because everything God gives us is a tool to be used in ministry. So when the anointing hit the church, it should be used to expand the kingdom of God. If it is not used to expand the kingdom, but it is used to enjoy ourselves, then we have become selfish with the anointing and the glory. And if in making you feel bad, about yourself will help us to change. Then feel bad all you need. Feel bad all you need. Because heavenly sorrow, spiritual sorrow, godly sorrow leads to repentance. The Bible says a broken and a contrite spirit, the Lord will not reject. If you come to him with a broken and contrite spirit, God will not reject. We are waiting for, we are praying for revival. There can be no true revival until the church is positioned right for God to move. Because when God moves in a revival, he doesn't move on the building and the blocks and the cement. He moves on the heart of men. And he will not move on the hearts which are hardened. Those hearts must be melted, broken and contrite. And I pray that you will allow God to change you. You think that I'm, I'll wait for the church to be packed before I preach powerful messages. No, this is one of my most powerful messages I can preach. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The, the most powerful sermon, the most powerful sermon Jesus ever preached, he preached it to only one person. 
You would think he would wait to the sermon on the mount when he had thousands of people to preach that sermon. He preached it to only one person. Unless a man is born of spirit and water, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, he can never see the kingdom of God. For this cause, he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever looks at him and believes shall not perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed will not perish but have everlasting life. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy the world or to judge it, but that the world through him might be saved. He preached this sermon to Nicodemus, only one man. Only one man. And when one man is changed, today, we have heard that scripture. We have it. Because he spoke it to one man. It changed that one man. If one man can change, I tell you what we can do for the kingdom of God. Generations will come to hear of it. Jesus said to Simon, he said, what this woman has done, Wherever the gospel is preached, her name and what she has mentioned or what she has done, it will be mentioned when the gospel is preached everywhere and up to today. How many of over 2,000 years we are talking about what this woman did? How she received an honorable man, entertaining your angels. Everybody must mean something to somebody. Spend two minutes of your time asking, what is your name? Oh, I have not seen you here for long. When did you come in? Okay, my name is so-so and so. May I know your name? Thank you. Where, where do you live? Where do you, can I have your number so I can call you? I can call you. If he says no, you've tried. Uh, uh, but, you know, is that, he, he, I don't know whether he's a new person, he's an old person. If I go and ask. If you don't know he's a new or old person, it means she's new. Ah. If that thing walks like a duck and cries like a duck, most probably it is a duck. Hello, Jenakan. Ah. You, you have been in nature for how many years? You know everybody. All of a sudden, you are seeing somebody be like, no be like, and you are telling me what if it's an old person? Come on. Come on. Is there somebody McCarthy doesn't know in this church? So one day McCarthy sees somebody, yeah, this person cries, is he old or new? I mean, come on. We are just trying to look for excuses not to do what we must do. <laughs> it is well. We will change. We will become better. I have had, I've had, I've had, look, I've had people saying things like, had it not been for Pastor Ben, I would have left this church a long time ago. Pastor Ben is the reason why I am in this church. And Pastor Ben is, a, and I hear these things and I feel so sad. So sad because, so if I travel for two months, all these people may leave the church. But why should it be so? Why should it be so? It means we are failing. Not just you, but it means I'm not teaching you the right thing, so I am failing myself. Oh, we, we have failed though. We have failed. 
I sit here, look at sharing the grace. Let's share the grace. And then you look at somebody has stretched the hand. Want to share grace with somebody. And the person is seeing the hand. Bah, and then he choose to go and he's going to look for the one he wants to share the grace with. Abba. Not even Judas will do this. No, no. That is worse than what Judas will do. I tell you. The money was, in, was with Judas. He doesn't like what they use the money for. Giving it to poor people. But once they demand it, he gives it. Even though he's gone, but at least he will give it. You there, you, 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 won't, just, uh, you won't even release the money because you don't believe in what they are doing. I won't, I won't give it. Are you not worse than Judas? The person has stretched their hand to share grace with you. And you, you bypass it, going to look for a, an honorable person to, to share grace with because this is one is not honorable. And those who will even agree to share the grace, while they are sharing the grace, they are talking to somebody else. Let me talk to a better person. That's the body language. That's the body language. Somebody is coming. He has seen you coming, ready to greet you. Ready to greet you. When the person is just trying to greet you, he's going to talk to an honorable person. You are not honorable enough. And yet we come here, kneel down, cry all the tears, all the crocodile tears. God, we need the anointing. We need the glory. We need the... One day you will catch a demon. A demon will enter your spirit. Because, because the door you have opened, the door you have opened, Holy Ghost cannot enter it. It will attract demons instead of the Holy Ghost. I always say, all the mad people walking in town, eh? Not all of them you should pray for. Oh, no, no. Because some of them, it is God himself who has made them mad. Yeah. So sometimes people do things and God will mirror them, will squeeze them. There's nothing you can do for them. Oh, that the whole church can repent. That the whole church can repent. Can repent. And you know what is worse? Whilst I'm preaching like this, somebody sitting among them and is thinking, yeah, this message, pa. sister, sister so she didn't come to church. Ah, because that is how she behaves, though. That is how she behaves. And she didn't come to church today. That is even the worst part of, of all this. Instead of receiving a thing for yourself and changing, she has decided who this message belongs to. And the person didn't come to church. So all that I'm doing, all that I'm doing, just say, only they're a funny tissue cry, just say, until they're making a cry. God have mercy, oh. God, God have mercy. God have mercy. That we can be better human beings. Because, look, who, who are you? What are you? Who are you? <laughs> who are you? Who are you? Look at even, I mean, look at the presidents. When they are campaigning for presidents, it's even worse with American presidents. They will always wear shirts and fold their arms and then try to greet everybody they can greet just because they want votes. Because they know that to make people happy, you need to be with them. They know. After that, they don't greet anybody again. But if that is what will get you the people, that is also what will keep the people. 
I don't stop you, I'll talk out to tomorrow. But church, in becoming like Christ, in becoming like Jesus, we cannot only wish for his anointing. Desiring to be like God, we cannot only wish for his favor and blessing. To want to be like Jesus, we can't only want to lay hands like the way he lay hands and raise the dead. That shouldn't be the only prayer we should pray for. To be like Christ, we should also have his heart. We should cry for his heart as well. Because you see, everything he did streamed out of his heart. And he saw them on the mountain and he had compassion on them. And he said, they are like sheep. Without a shepherd. He said, give them food to eat. If he healed somebody, laid hands, and that's all you are seeing, but if he laid hands on, 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 on Bartimaeus' eye to be healed, if he raised the, 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 the widow of Nain's son from the dead, if he, if he, if he opened blind, it was because of a heart of compassion. And you are only looking at that miracles. You can't do it because you don't have the heart. That produces miracles. You don't have it. You don't have the heart that produces miracles. I told you the day, this will be my last and then maybe we'll continue next week. The day I visited a, one of the members who, whose child had had the bone in the thigh broken into two pieces and I saw the baby on the floor and they were going to put metals in the, in the bones. I saw the baby on the floor crying, supporting the broken, the broken thigh with the correct the correct leg, a baby, because of pain. And from nowhere, I saw, I, I saw tears in my eyes, and I felt this compassion. I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. I knelt down with the baby, be healed. I left. The next day, they went to the hospital. Doctor said, before we put the metal, let's take another essay. They took the essay, and the bones are joined overnight. It wasn't because I was anointed or anything. Compassion flowed, and miracles followed. The next person that walks in here will be your test. It will be your test. The next member that comes in here, your own fellow fellows who have been here, colleagues who have been here for years with you, the way you treat them will be your test. Because if we can't do it among ourselves, we can't even try it with outsiders. From today, when you are sharing the grace, don't only give your hand, add your heart. From today, when somebody approaches you to talk with you, don't only give them your ears. Give them your heart as well. Be present. Because you can be here without being present. And I can see it that you are not here. You just want me to finish for you to move. Be present. Stop everything. Move your mind from everywhere. Bring your mind here and finish with me before you move on. Because I will know. And if we can do this, we might not even go out to do an evangelism. This church will be full to capacity. Oh yeah. It will be full to capacity. Somebody brought somebody here. Somebody brought somebody here. The person is not even in this church, but witness brought somebody to this church. And the person, the soul, the person brought to this, kept coming. One, two, three. By the next month, I had a call from the person who brought this person. He said, the person I brought to your church says he loves your message, your preaching. He loves your preaching too much. But she has been here all this while. Nobody Nobody has taken her as a friend. 
and the person called me from outside the church to complain. He said, please do something about it. Otherwise, she will leave. And I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. Because they have taken her number. I asked. They said, oh, we have called her. We have called her. We have called her. So, the thing that they have called her, so it, it should be enough. Oh, we have called her. <laughs> Some of the most powerful revelations Jesus gave was given around food when they were eating. Let's start opening our homes. Let's start opening our arms. Start opening our heart. And I tell you, this church will be a mega church. And it won't just be a church. It will be a home and a family. May the Lord bless you. Can you close your eyes with me? way are you going to be better than you used to be? And we are carrying it not just from the, in the church, but we're carrying it out of the church into our marketplace, into, the, into, into, the, into our job places. We are carrying it out there. That people can see the hospitality of Jesus in the way we deal with people. Don't say, ask for me, you know I'm reserved. And me, I am reserved. I am reserved. If you are reserved, Jesus too will be reserved concerning you. God too will be reserved concerning you. And then we'll see. You are not the only person who is shy. God too can be shy. It's only a matter of choice. He can choose to be shy about you. Because he said, if you are shy about me, he said, I will also be shy about you on the day of judgment. Which means if you are shy and I'm reserved, I'm reserved. he will also be shy and reserved about you. It's not what you want. It's about what the king of the kingdom, what he wants, is what we do. So meditate on it. Decide from today. Those of us who came to church today, and those who are listening from wherever you are, that from today, this church, and wherever I find myself, I will be a change agent. And because of me, people will want to stay. I will make it difficult for people to leave. And 
I tell yourself that look nobody in this church will ever ever be disappointed because of me nobody at least from because of me me nobody in this church or whoever comes here will feel dejected or rejected at least me alone I will do my part I will see everybody as an honorable everybody as an honorable everybody as an honorable Oh, we want to be better. Oh, we want to be better. Better human beings. We want to be better human beings. Wow, to say, we need more. say, we need more. too much. We need more. You can't follow Christ with that nose. Cut it off, because if your nose will land you in hell, it is better to cut that nose off. So you can enter heaven without a nose than to enter hell with your nose. Cut that nose off. Asambi Aramekano Adibi Arameye Ankahe Sesamibi as your Lord and Savior. And you say, Jesus, today I want to give my life to you. I want to be born again today. I want you to forgive my sins. Wash me with your blood. Write my name in the book of life. 
so that if you come today, when you come, I will not be lost. If you are here like that, can I just raise one hand? I'll pray with you. You want to give your life to Jesus? Then you say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I will not go back to my sins anymore. I want to follow you. You can raise one hand if you are here like that and I'll pray with you. If there's anybody. Asembi Aramikano Adibi Father, we pray today. we recommit ourselves to the ideals of Christ that we will become like Christ not only in the giftings but also in the fruit more importantly becoming like Christ who though he was God did not count it necessary to fight over that title but made himself of no reputation and came down as a man became worse than a man become a slave and worse than a slave to die on the cross that will be like this man Jesus that if we seek the works of his hands we also seek the heart with which he worked the miracles that what we do will flow from who we are this is my prayer for us all that from today the ambience of this church has changed from today the character of this church has changed from today we are one big family and not splintered into pieces in a name it's above every name and once you find us like that jesus let the heavens flow through us because there will be no blocks. Okay. I thank you that you have found us worthy to give us a message like this that will change and transform us into becoming like Christ in the name that is above every name. Jesus, we pray. Amen.